store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Comes from the Bible, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. What does it even mean? How does that apply to your life, if it even does at all? That's what we'll figure out today. Welcome to the Sunday service. In that verse, Jesus is talking about the importance of prioritizing spiritual and eternal values over worldly material possessions. It talks about and encourages people to focus on accumulating treasures in heaven rather than treasures here on earth. The warning against storing up treasures on earth um, is because it's emphasizing the perishable nature, the finite nature of stuff that we have here on earth, of our worldly material possessions, all of our stuff. And all of that stuff can get destroyed. From the passage, it can be destroyed by moths, damaged by vermin. So moths are flying bugs, vermin are rats, stuff like that, or stolen. In contrast, treasures in heaven, these are thought of and considered to be incorruptible. These are thought of as, as secure, out of, out of reach of vermin, moths, thieves. You get the idea. The statement for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, that's talking about that the things that we value and the things that we invest our time, energy, resources in, they reflect our priorities. And where our hearts are focused, that is the things that we really believe to be of the greatest value, that we hold to be most important. Our heart's going to be right there along with them. If we prioritize treasures in heaven, then our hearts will be aligned with more spiritual values and specifically on our relationship with God. So talk about alignment. If we are focused on the things that are of the highest value, that's what we put our attention on. We recognize their value. Our heart, our connection will follow. And when we focus on things that are beyond the physical plane, we focus on those treasures of, of it, treasures in heaven, that's going to strengthen our relationship with God, which is ultimately really the goal. So overall, the passage encourages believers, us, to take a deeper, more spiritual understanding to life and to prioritize eternal values over temporary material possessions here on earth, earthly possessions. It speaks to the idea that our choices and how we use and allocate our resources, where we invest them, that reveals the, the, the that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. It's the truth, direct evidence of what is most important to you. Now, whether or not you're, you're cognizant of that, that's really what this is talking about. Have we thought about that? 
where are we putting our attention? What is of value to us? That's what this is talking about. I think that this is really giving us a prescription for living a good and just life. When, when you think about living a good life, what do you think about? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever sat down and said, what, what does that even mean to me? What does it mean to live a good life? How do I go about doing it? Am I doing it? Am I living a good life? Am I living a just life? I don't know. So what makes for a good life? I cannot encourage you enough to spend time thinking about that. One of my favorite quotes comes from Socrates. It says, the unexamined life is not worth living. It's really what a big part of this is talking about is let's be proactive and think about what, what is of the highest value, what makes for a good life. What can you do today? What can you do right now, today, so that when you get to the end of your life, you're standing looking into heaven or into the void, the abyss, however you want to think about it, that you can look back on your life and to say, I lived a good life. I did the best that I could. The world is a better place because of my life. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that that's a worthwhile thing? Is that worth doing? Is it worth thinking about what makes for a good life? Is it work worth practicing? Once you determine this is what makes for a good life, is it worth actually putting it into practice? I think that it is. I advocate that it is. I think that that as you try to figure out and how to arrive at that, it's definitely not easy. But how can you be a service? How can you live an honorable life with honor? What kind of reputation do you want to have? How do you want people to think of you? That's playing the long game. Go for the short game, take quick wins, quick hits of dopamine, spend our time in vapid pursuits, making ourselves happy from moment to moment. That's the short game. The long game is being of service, living with honor, thinking about how you want to be perceived, thinking about how you want your, what you rep, want your reputation to be, and then to go about making it that way. What's the opposite of that? Well, the opposite of the long game is that short game that I was just talking about. It's pursuing instant gratification and pleasure. And I understand the desire and the pull of that because it's strong. Not only is it strong, it is constant. Not only is it a constant, it is ubiquitous. It is all around us. We are hit tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand times a day with different messages, people tempting us and showing us shiny objects, delicious things, attractive things. And what they're working to do is extract your most valuable resources. Then it's strong, feels good, feels good. You know, it's awesome. Fast cars are awesome. Ice cream is awesome. Booze. Watches, clothes, houses, yachts, all of it. These are awesome things. You know what really matters? None of that stuff. None of that stuff really matters. Do you know what matters? Do you know what matters? Do you? 
I know the answer to that question is not obvious. I believe that there are objective truths, that there is objective truth. There's also your subjective reality as well. So you need to know what matters to you. And it's not just an obvious thing that I think that you can just spit out unless you've thought about it. And I know it's not because the answer hasn't always been obvious to me. We all go through different seasons of life. As a younger man, my priorities were vastly different than they are today. Now, would my life have been better had I been focused then on what I'm focused on now? Who's to say? I'm not going to engage in revisionist history or play Monday morning quarterback or however you want to think about that. But best plan, time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. Next best time is, of course, today. So if you have regret of the past, that's fine. But rather have you have hope for the future because that's a lot more practical and it's actionable. And you can start to focus and invest in your treasures in heaven versus those of, 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 of today. And I know that it's really easy to be carried along by life, to be carried along by momentum. It's easy to keep things going the way that they've been going, to keep doing what you're doing, to be half asleep, something we're all sort of guilty of from time to time or for long stretches of our lives, just sort of sleepwalking through life in some kind of a zombie-like state where we're really not engaging in a lot of thought-provoking activities. We're just sort of going with the flow. And get it. Been there, done that. But I've got good news as well. It is simple to figure out what matters. It's simple to figure out what matters, but it's not easy. Simple to figure it out, not easy to do it. That's the key. It's the fulcrum. Separates the meaningful from the meaningless. Knowing what matters. Knowing what is of the highest, noblest, best. You probably no doubt heard the phrase, separate the wheat from the chaff. It's a metaphor. Describes the process of distinguishing valuable from the worthless. The expression comes from agriculture and actually refers to a practice which is known as winnowing. It's where you separate wheat grains from the husk, which is the chaff. So how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? You literally take the mixture of both of it together, throw it in the air, and that allows the wind to literally blow away the chaff. The lighter stuff gets blown away, heavier wheat grains fall to the ground. It's a physical separation results in the thing that you really want, which is the wheat. Get rid of the chaff. Such is life. So what we're trying to do, what that attempts to do is convey the idea of separating what's valuable, what's essential, what is important from that which is inessential, non-essential, unimportant, undesirable, vapid, superficial, and this applies to most every aspect of our lives. Our MVRs, our most valuable resources, things that are of the greatest value, time, attention, energy, and money. If we're not paying close attention to them and how we are using, allocating, spending them, and we're not making good and intentional choices about their allocation, we are at great risk of wasting them. 
incredible risk of wasting them. Finding long-term happiness and contentment is not found in short-term pleasure. It's found in making decisions based on what matters, what truly matters. When we spend our most valuable resources on short-term, low-value things, instead of things that are of the highest and best uses, we fall into the trap of what today's Bible verse talked about. So start by clarifying your values. Your values are what you believe to be the most important things, the noblest and best things. They're the filters through which you process the information that we take in and you make decisions based off of it. It's the criteria for how you make decisions. If you don't have any idea about what's most important, well, then everything is most important. And here's the thing. Not everything can be the most important thing. Otherwise, everything's an emergency, but nothing is an emergency. Everything is just the number one thing, but nothing is. Not everything can be the most important thing. You've got to decide. Each of us must decide what is most important. We must decide what is of the greatest value. We must create hierarchies and then make decisions based on those hierarchies. This is number one. You've got a list of five things that will help you to make decisions, help you make more optimal decisions. You don't want to think about a right or a wrong. Well, you can think about it in terms of this is the optimal way to do things. The optimal way to be spending, to be allocating my most valuable resources. Then we can set our, set our intention and make good, strong decisions. Why not do this? Why not? Why not approach life in this way? What's the downside? You may find yourself eating less ice cream. I guess that's that's kind of a sucky thing. Find yourself delaying gratification, waiting. That's no fun. It's not that big of a deal, though. So what's the upside? What's the upside to doing this? To knowing your values, to be prioritizing and living by them, to be making decisions based on what is most important to you. That's what it's all about. That's the name of the game. Make better decisions. Make good decisions. Optimize your life. Get closer to what you really want. Be able to live your life so that at the end, you look back and say, I, I, I did a good job. That's the upside. Living a life of accountability. Knowing that God, the creator, knows everything. And acting in accordance with what is of greatest value and importance. It's knowing what matters and doing what must be done in service of what matters. Again, it's knowing what matters and doing what must be done in service of what matters. I've heard the saying, dance like no one's watching. That's fine. Good advice. Try this one. Live your life like it matters because it most certainly does. As always, do your part at doing your best.